Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature painter Ronald Jackson. He studied architecture at Saddleback College in California before joining the U.S. Army. He served more than 21 years and retired in 2014. During his military career, he began a pursuit of becoming a professional artist. With no access to art school, Ronald engaged himself on a journey of self-disciplines and personal discovery to realize his goal as an artist. The military afforded him the experience of living in places such as South Korea, Belgium, Italy, Germany, Iraq, and Kuwait. He believes that his childhood upbringing and the adult experience of being immersed into other societies has given him an appreciation and broad perspective on life amidst the complex challenges that we all face. In September 2021, Ron participated in a group show at UTA Artist Space in Los Angeles titled Literary Muse that was inspired by black literary novelists, poets, and scholars. He was also in a group show at UTA in July of 2020. Another show was titled State of the Art 2020 at the Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Arkansas. In 2018, Brown had a solo exhibition at Gallery Meredith titled Profiles of Color 3, Fabric, Face, and Form. Thank you for joining, tuning in to this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, and enjoy Ronald Jackson. Ronald, thank you very much for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, tell us, when did you realize your artistic uh, curiosity and passion? I, I, I guess I would say that artistic passion just slowly developed over, over time. I, I was aware of people making me aware that I had a talent throughout my childhood. And, and as I grew older, um, art was basically a way to entertain myself. And once I took the arts a little more serious, I wouldn't say that I was so passionate about it, but that passion starts started to grow as, as I delve more into trying to figure out what it meant to be an artist. Were there any particular artists that influenced you early on? Early, early on, I, I would say probably not uh, because I, I didn't grow up in, in a, a, a place where, where art was taken serious, seriously and 
and I really didn't didn't go to museums or or didn't really see any any art outside of of what was common in the area where I grew up, which was quilts. Quilting was the closest thing to me potentially being influenced by art or by observing art. And I, I think looking back at that, I, I think that's why patterns uh, appeal to me. The, the patterns that, that are found in quilts and likely every home in, in Arkansas where I grew up would have quilts in, in some place in, in the home, you know, there, there were people in, in every family that quilted. And that was the case with my oldest, oldest sister. But as far as in the earlier time of, of my childhood or, or growing up as a kid, I didn't really see or, or have any direct influence of a working artist. As it pertains to quilts, while you were observing the patterns, did you also observe what the, if there was one, the message that the quilt was conveying? Well, that's, that's something that I, I learned. I learned, um, you know, um, as I grew older, the, the connection with, with quilt patterns and, and how different quilters would, would incorporate those patterns. And, and I'm not sure um, most of the, the quilters that I came across were trying to, you know, present a message. It, it was mostly mm. an aesthetic that they incorporated patterns making quilts. And there, there are a lot of uh, amazing quilts that I came across, but I think it was something that that is a, a subconscious uh, influence. You know, I didn't consciously recognize or value the the quilters or the quilts that were around me. You know, which was mostly older people, and and that's that's not something that really excited me back then. But as I look back, it was was obviously a, a part of my what what would I say influence yeah and what would you say motivates you to create work my motivation for creating art is first first of all art has always entertained me something that that i would do to to occupy my mind and becoming an artist one of the things that motivates me with my art is the idea of Illustrating a story may be the wrong word. I, I, I wouldn't take such a, an illustrative approach, but to bring a, a, a visual representation of ideas and, or my imagination, you know, taking those thoughts and bringing it into some, some visual context, that's, that's something that has always interested me. How do you feel as you approach a blank canvas? Well, approaching a, a blank canvas for me is probably, unlike most, you, you hear a, a lot of artists talk about the, the challenge with the blank canvas. For me, the blank canvas is probably the, the most exciting part of, of my process because I usually start in my head with ideas 
And I am anxious to get to those, those um, ideas. And they're, they're usually waiting for me to complete a, a, a project that I'm working on. And when I finish those projects and I have the opportunity to start on something new, that's, that's the most exciting point for me. I am more free to, to start sketching and, and working on that, that white canvas. So that's, that's my favorite part of, of the process. And do you listen to music yeah, while you're painting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> music, music is, is a, a big part for me uh, in, in the studio. And I can, I can go from classical music, uh, and, and it depends on what stage of the painting I'm, I'm in. If, if I'm at a place where I'm concentrating more, I would, I would want classical music, uh, uh, music that I'm not listening to. It's, it's just a, a environmental uh, atmosphere that I like uh, in my studio. And, and for me, music is, is all about creating a vibe, uh, an energy, whether it, it is um, upbeat house music. I've been listening to a lot of African house music uh, lately. And um, I, I appreciate and value that, that energy to, to get me started in the studio and get going. So you know, music influence my energy to start working. When do the titles of your paintings enter the creative process? The titles usually come after the paintings are complete. And, and oftentimes when I'm working on uh, several pieces, I think I, I work kind of slowly, slow on, on my work works um, because there, there are different stages and I'm working on several works at a time. And a lot of times when I am preparing works for a show or exhibit, my gallerist or, or is, is asking for a work in progress, photos, and, and I'm trying to bring them there. And before I'm finished, okay, uh, do you have titles? And for, for me to think about the titles, it's, it's something that takes, I have to be in a completely different headspace than when I'm creating the work. So usually it's after I have concluded the, the, the painting, I'm satisfied with it. I have the idea of what the painting is, is about and the idea that I want to portray with the painting uh, or the work, but it's that finding the phrase or the words to, to convey that, that's something I have to sit back and ponder on. And that is usually always after the, the painting is completed. How do you keep learning? Wow. Um, <laughs> Trick question. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, well, learning is, man, for, for me, learning requires a, a lot of um, opportunities for me to experiment. And that is, that is not always easy when, I call it when, when I'm in a pr production mode. Production mode uh, for me is, is when, when there are obligations or, or commitments or uh, for me to meet with exhibitions or whatever, and, and, and I'm just focused on creating a series or collections of, of works to provide for something. But there's the times that I have to, 
I have to enter into a creative space where it's okay for me to to make a lousy painting or or for for me to to do something that is not so uh, aesthetically appealing. And in in those times, it it allows me to figure out something, learn something, or discover a process or something. And that lends me the opportunity to grow in regards to my process of of painting. But in in other areas of, of just growing as a artist or a person, it's I think it's important to just just be aware of current issues, events, and I like to compare them or or look at them in reference to the past or or history. So it's it's important to be aware of historical events and and a lot of those a lot of things, different things just replay in our society it may not be in our generation but that's something i i try to uh, stay aware of do you have memories that are reflected in your work yeah me- memories i i think are are big with the works that i create but not necessarily uh not necessarily memories that i consciously have when I'm creating works. A lot of the works I am seeking to guide viewers to to look at situations or or events in the past and and speculate on those possible scenarios of of experiences that that people had uh, in in the past. And for me, the memories that that may influence some some of the works that, that I create is memories of me overhearing stories that are being told. And I, I get bits and pieces of those stories. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a fragmented experience of recalling memories and, and putting things together. And as I hear more and more stories, putting those fragments together kind of presents a, a, a reality you know, for for me or or for things that I wasn't necessarily necessarily focused on, but it paints a picture of some of the realities that were experienced when I was a child. I would say. Do you consider your work portraiture? Um, you you know, I I have resisted that notion, and um, I given a. a presentation at, at a museum that I had some work in. And throughout the presentation, I emphatically stated that, that I'm not a portrait painter. And I was stating that out of, uh, from a, a place of humor because the works that were being exhibited were, would most likely be identified as portraits. For my understanding of portraiture, the interaction is usually, do I know who this person is? That's, that's, and, and, and once that is identified, this is this person, the engagement ends. And then you say, that's a nice representation of that person. If you don't, you can't figure out who the person is, move to 
to the question of uh, should I know who this person is? <laughs> so it's all always about identity. But for me, it's more about uh, stories and getting the the viewer to enter into a interactive engagement with the imagery and the the, the people that that I present. You're you're not going to know who they are. They're not of a, a specific person. So that that is out. So with you know with me incorporating masks on on my portraits if if you would say of of the person it it creates an element of of mystery you know and so that that entices the the viewer to want to find out okay what what is this about uh there's there's a story to 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 be uncovered so if you can't if you can't get a clue by the title or figure things out you're you're going to turn your back to the the painting eventually and and go and try to seek me out or someone out to kind of kind of fill you in on the story so that is more of of what the engagement that i i seek to happen is not about identifying who a person is, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad I asked you that question. I liked your answer. How would you define black art? You know, that's that's a that's a challenging uh, question. Um, how would I define black art? I'm I consider myself a black artist. I guess the art that I make would be considered black art if if I depict uh, black people in my my art, you know, that's that's being a, a figurative uh, artist, uh, artists that create representational uh, work. Um, I've, I had a, a conversation with another artist, and we were talking about how our art having black figures in it, it places you in that category of, of black art. People say, I love black art or, or whatever, but for me, my my art is is referencing like you you were asking memories and and people from from my memory or or, or my past um, but i could very well paint images of non-black people and have the absence of a black figure in my my painting i i have painted some some paintings of of um white people and i'm curious to know to discover or see if my paintings would then still be considered black art if if i did that and that's that's something that i've i've been kind of thinking about maybe experimenting with the idea of creating works that didn't depict a, a black black face or a black person and and how would that be perceived differently from the works that that I've been creating? So, black art—that that is something I I don't know how to answer. That's something that's been thrown out there, and and yeah, that's the best that I can do with that question. Well, I can't wait to see your experiment. What are you excited about now? Well, what one one of the things that that I have tried to start this year, but um, look like it's gonna, gonna be pushed back a little bit. Um, 
I'm, I'm excited about collaborating with other creatives and combining our, our creativity and, and, and our efforts to create something a, a little bigger than, than what I've been doing. You know, I, I, have some, I have some ideas that I've been, you know, working out or working on or, or pondering over that I realize that they are bigger than what I would be able to do alone. So for me, uh, just just building relationships with other creatives and, and eventually finding an opportunity for me to collaborate with others to to create something that's that's dynamic. That's that's something that I plan on doing and and hopefully sooner than later. I've enjoyed our conversation, Ronald. And now I'm going to ask you the very last question, which okay. is. What do you feel your role is as an artist? My role as an artist, wow. I am a, a self-taught artist, and I spend a lot of time uh, just trying to study and figure out what it meant to be an artist. And, and, and that is something that I haven't secured a good answer, but what I feel my role as an artist is, is to, to bring visual uh, or, or imagery to spark or initiate conversation. I was speaking with, with someone just when, when I was in LA uh, about my, my work and I expressed that it would be disappointing if the engagement with my work ended at observing the aesthetics of the imagery. But I would want for my work to, and, and I've, I've, I've made this, this reference earlier, for the viewer to be able to turn their back to my work after uh, viewing it, engaging it, turn their back to my work. They're no longer seeing it, but they're, they are engaging themselves and potentially others with the ideas or thoughts that were generated through the work. So my role uh, would be to create conversation. Yeah, create conversation and, and, and thoughts, interest about ideas and concepts. Well, I enjoy your work very much, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.